Okay. So we're, so we're very similar, me and you. I got a 32-13. Yeah, I got a 28-13. 28-13? Oh, that's what you got? It's Nate. It's Nate. Nate. Yeah. Yeah. Scrappy Nate. Scrappy Nate. Hey. 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 28-13. Hey. What'd you say? Tell my tell my guy down on the corner. 28-13. I got it. Hey, Matthew Willis is the answer to another awesome Broncos trivia question. Kind of a weird way to work it. Matthew Willis is the answer to another awesome Broncos trivia question. Can you think of what the question is? Wow. Um, no, I, I, I can't. I mean, the receiver that uh, Peyton Manning cussed out when he ran the wrong route against the Chargers in 2012. Ouch, I didn't know that, but I'll take your <laughs> word for it. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just give it to you. He was one of two receivers to catch a pass from Tim Tebow in the infamous two-reception game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh. The other was Eric Decker catching the touchdown, but Willis wow. was the other one. Love it. And there's Love not it. a lot Good of football ga- player. Uh, yeah, and part of a couple of that was a great trivia question beforehand, too. So we all got the Broncos winning. Is that right? Look at yeah. this. We all yep. got the Broncos winning. That's, that's right. That's the way it looks. Hey, does that game deserve an asterisk last night, like Mike Tirico suggested, because uh, Kelsey and uh, yeah. Jones weren't playing? Oh. Yeah, we're going to give them an asterisk no for that one. one. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, no like one the, cares. Do, do the Broncos have asterisks for you know their injuries that they had? No, we weren't giving them a free pass. So you don't get free pass in the NFL. This is the way it is, right? This is part of of why it's tough to be successful and, and continue to have success. And Nate knows this is injuries happen. You have to overcome them. No one feels sorry for you. And just because Travis Kelsey wasn't there and Chris Jones is holding out, who cares? Either you get it done or you don't, and they just weren't able to get it done. Uh, but but no excuses, no explanation. So, so you think Trico think- stepped it in a little bit? I don't know about that. I just think he's wrong. I mean, it's a bad take. You know, it's just a bad take that you don't get passes for injuries. You just don't. If Jerry Judy doesn't play on Sunday and the Raiders win, we won't be saying, hey, the Broncos deserve a pass. You know, it's like, go go figure it out. Um, Everyone has injuries. How far back can a right tackle line? Can he line up behind the quarterback? That was ridiculous. (laughs) It was was just absolutely ridiculous. And he was false starting. Every time. It seemed like every time. Like, it was just absolutely ridiculous how incompetent those referees were on simple things like that. You can't give that much of an advantage to the right or left tackle. Those guys always try to cheat uh, back a little bit. But as a ref, you, he, that guy's got to be held more accountable than that. You're giving him way too much of an advantage. You give him one warning. That's what they usually do. Like, hey, buddy, you need to move up a little bit. And then you just start throwing flags on him. That was absolutely ridiculous. And it's a bad look for the league when you let that guy line up and then continue to false start like he did. Just uh, awful. Hey, Stoke, do you think Collinsworth had a point, though, that the Detroit Lions coaching staff had to be more on those refs to, to, so they would be uh, absolutely. paying attention absolutely. to it? Yeah. Right. So, you, yes, you have to make more of a fuss about it. So now the refs are absolutely uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing. No, absolutely. Sometimes you have to do that. Quick one, last one, quick last one before you guys get out of here. Appreciate the extra time. Is there anything in life that you would feel so strongly about that you would glue your feet oh, to gosh. the ground like These the people. protesters did at the <laughs> U.S. Open? Yeah, Is there people. anything in life you These would feel people. that strongly about you would glue your feet to the ground? No, I mean, like maybe <laughs> maybe in Louisville at the, 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 at the bourbon tour or something, you know, maybe that. I'd, I'd do that. That's that's about it. I mean, these people, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I might do it for the Packers win total. <laughs> <laughs> for the Packers win total. I have to give it more thought. Oh, but like, get that glue out. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right, guys. Y'all have a good weekend, guys. Later, boys. Later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That was, uh, I don't know if those people got their point across, but they got on TV. What was their point? Uh, Climate change is uh, something. Climate change is real. Uh, Something with climate change.
Well, not sure. The guy glued his feet to the uh, the third balcony. They're gonna have to see a podiatrist. Uh, he's gonna have to see something. I don't even know how he got his feet unglued, but uh, I felt bad for Coco Golf, who was uh, doing her thing. She still won, but you know, I don't know, man. The athletes, what are they doing? They're just doing their thing. They're they're trying to you know win, and uh, these guys are screaming and yelling about climate change. Well, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on those moments. I you know, if so. you want to, you, if so. you have a message, you want to get it out. You the, know, the gluing the body parts to the ground is, uh, you know, that's an interesting, um, interesting move. And if you're really down with that cause, glue a different body part to the ground. <laughs> what would you suggest? You know what I mean? What would you suggest? Not your hands, not your feet. <laughs> what would you suggest? Come on. <laughs> really? How, how really? much do you care about this cause? <laughs> how much do you how care? How much do you care? <laughs> Prove it. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen these videos circulating of the people like overseas who've done that with their hands to the ground, to the concrete, yeah. but then they can't get them off and they have yeah. to like chip away and then I saw videos of these this couple walking around with like concrete blocks on their hands because uh-huh. like literally you can't get them away. Like, you just take them, here's the concrete. We'll, yeah. We'll replace the pothole tomorrow. You right. You just go... Get out of here. Concrete hands. Well, it's great to see you, Nate Jackson. You t- hey, man, you look great. You got a new haircut. You trimmed I, up the beard. I did. Yeah, just What's last going weekend. on, man? I got it all I got it all done. It's, it's all just for football season? No. No. It's it's like when you when you look in the mirror and you're a complete disaster. I mean, it's not just you're somewhat of a de- disaster, you're a complete disaster. God, I'll give you the real story, actually. So Jimmy Buffett passed away, which is very, very sad. And a buddy of mine... It's interesting that that's how you're starting the story about you getting your haircut. Well, here's what happened. So he passed away, which was super sad. And the lead singer from my high school band, we have a group text from all of our high school buddies. So he got out there with Jamie Tedford, my guy, got out there with the guitar and played a little uh, Come Monday from Jimmy Buffett. And I was really motivated by that. I was like, oh, man, that's super cool. So I went over to the piano, ding, 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 ding. I figured it out. And I kind of like a call and response. Like he did it on the guitar. I did it on the piano. And it was very touching. And, you know, everybody liked it. Then I looked at the video of myself. And I looked like a... From the, the insane asylum. <laughs> You're just hoping people close their eyes and listen to the <laughs> I hadn't music. taken a good peek at myself recently. And uh, he's much better looking than me, somewhat similar to this uh, pairing right here. So, no, that, that day I said, well, I'm glad I could give a little tribute. And my friend Jamie's pretty cool and his daughter's now going to DU. But uh, I look like a lunatic. So that's uh, that was the main motivation for getting it done. Well, you made quite a transformation. You look very handsome now. Well, Darren. I appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate it. It's, and, it's, but, but I have to tell you, yes. um, the word is not asterisk. Help me. Asterisk. There's asterisk. an S-K. Asterisk. Uh, I was feeling pretty pumped for the Lions. Yeah. I was kind of excited Dude. about that. Well, and for a lot of reasons. I mean, you can see, like, you can be happy for the Lions in a vacuum because they're an awesome team to root for, right? And Dan Campbell, you root for the guy. We yeah. watched him in Hard Knocks. It was a fun team to get behind. They were the, they were the hottest team at the end of the regular season last year. But then you also liked watching the Chiefs lose at Giha. Loved it. And it's, it's uh, man, oh, man, the Chiefs are, well, asterisk. <laughs> they were missing a couple of good players. They were. We do have an update with Jerry Judy, kind of. And Sean Payton, is he talking yet? Is he, yes, no? He was, oh, really, shrugging our shoulders. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, apparently he's quite late on the old press conference, but. How do you feel about his tardiness of late? Ah. Uh, it's been interesting. Hmm. It's been interesting. Hasn't been quite as uh, uh, precision as uh, in the past. What do you think accounts for it? Uh, well, let's let's dig into it. I, yeah. I, I, I've, it's been a minute. I got to get catch up with you on on a bunch of things. But according to Parker Gabriel from the Denver Post, quote: Everybody present and accounted for at Broncos practice did not see Jerry Judy take any team reps in the period of practice. Open reporters. 
we probably should hear one way or the other about Jerry Judy within moments once we hear from Sean Payton. So let's take a quick break and uh, come back with that breaking news as it comes right here on The Drive on The Fan. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's The Drive. Back, Nate Jackson, KJ, chicken fingers hanging up there, Drew's in the background. Got everybody here. Beautiful day. So we do have some news, kind of, on Jerry Judy. According to Mike Cliss, wide receiver Jerry Judy practiced again and looked good. Sean Payton, quote, he's doing well. All right, so that looks like a game-time decision for Jerry Judy. Not ruled out, not ruled in. What do you think? Think he goes? Uh, I think he shouldn't. Think he should, huh? I think he shouldn't. I think he should. It's a long season, and I know we're placing a lot of um, importance on this game. It is not a must-win, um, like folks are saying. It is a yes. What folks are saying that? Well, I mean, oh well, Mike Evans wrote a wrote a blog about it or a column, <laughs> <laughs> which I understand the idea. But um, what what do you think a must-win means? Means uh, if if you don't do it on the other side, there's some sort of finality. Yeah, I, it, I've it, always it, had problems with that. I agree with you. We're 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 in agreement on this. Yeah, but I have painfully learned over the years from the must-win folks that they don't define it like that. Yeah. So they get away with saying games are must-wins without actually defining what must-win actually means. So I've I've come to terms with, in the world of my great friend, Mike Evans, who I'm at Mile High Station with for like the 12th year in a row. Yeah, I was going to say how many shows. years you've been doing You know, that. I was texting Mike the other day, and we couldn't figure it out. I know I, this will be my 15th year for sure, because I've done it since 08. But I didn't start doing it with Mike Evans, but Mike slid into the <laughs> slid in with me at some point. But neither he or I could figure out what that exact date was. But it's got to be at least ten years, at least. So, anyways, uh, but Mike likes to use this whole must-win thing, and I say, okay, how about this? Uh, I'll, I, I understand what you're trying to say with must-win. I'll just say there's a difference between a must-win game and an elimination game. Right. With with a with an elimination game having much more importance. Yeah, like if if you have to stretch to come up with a, with a reason for why it is a must, because if you don't, then people will be upset and they might lose the faith that you. That's not a a must, is it? Because then the next week you have an opportunity to flip that by winning. <laughs> totally agree. By saying that this is a must win, and there's no escape from it. It means that there's what no way you can win in Miami. You're right. Period. Like well, that's well, it. That's so you're doomed to failure. Right. <laughs> so so the 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 whole theory around this must win when you look at the schedule, right? You look at the schedule and there's some, and you put W's on some of them and L's on on the others, and you expect these certain teams to give you a certain type of matchup. Mm-hmm. You're never gonna get that. Like, the team that you think is going to be the hardest game, you're going to kick their butt. The team you think you're going to walk all over, they're going to beat you. That's how the NFL goes. And so you're predicting this schedule based on, you know, a lot of the must-win chatters about if you want to make the playoffs, here's the record you got to win, and you got to win these specific games. Yep. I don't agree with that. It never works out like that. Like, for example, if you're on, uh, uh, you know, whatever radio station there is in Kansas City, K-Rib Radio, who knows? You know, they like barbecue, KBBQ, there in, uh, there in Kansas City. You don't think they said to themselves, well, if we're going to be the number one seed, oh yeah, Detroit is a must win for that reason. Of course they did. So, so what are you supposed to do now? Oh, it's season's over? It's over. It's over for the Kansas City Chiefs? Really? 
And Detroit's given themselves the same imperative. It's a must win. We're going in there. We got to get a start. Well, but there's no way they call that a must win. How do you know? A road trip? A yeah. non. Okay, I'll tell you why. Because then people are going to write us off. We lost some momentum from last year. Here's where we're going to argue a little bit. But I've, through the years, it just seems here's the games and levels of importance. Division games, home division games. Mm. They are the most important games. Well, just divisional games at all. Yeah, but, but more specifically the home games because statistically, just statistically, you have a better chance to win just being at home. So it's it's more critical to pick up those wins at home than on the road in general, okay? Then you go to division road games because, again, these are tiebreakers in the division. Then you go to conference games, games in the AFC, and then you go non-conference, and home is more important than road. So the least important games, even though every game is critically important, but if there's levels, the least important games are non-conference road games. And that's what the Lions played last night. They played a non-conference road game. So for them, it's kind of gravy. Well, at the same time, the Lions missed out on the playoffs last year because they lost one too many games. For them to Any pick, of those games had they won, no matter hey, what game it was, would have got them into the playoffs. No argument. For them to pick up that win last night, that is, for the Lions, are you kidding me? That is just absolutely humongous. Yeah. That is a big, big deal. Hey, by the way, me, Will P- Peterson, the only two, the only two hosts who picked him to win that game on the pick him. Why is that? I'm sure that's good for you guys, but why? Why did I pick him to win? Yeah, because I thought they'd beat the Chiefs. Why? Because so, the Lions were playing the best football in the league last year at the end of the year. Mm. They were on a quite a run. Um, I like what they're doing. The Chiefs, you know, the Super Bowl hangover, man, that's real. And they're missing not just Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, but Eric Bieniemy. I think the. Mm. Eric Bieniemy's influence on that offense shouldn't be understated. Dude, so if you have the Chiefs losing at home to the Lions, what kind of year do you have uh, expectation-wise for the Chiefs? I mean, I just picked that last night based on the matchup and the feeling that the I Chiefs, had about that game. You got the Chiefs making the playoffs? Yeah. Not winning the division, though. Not win the division. No. Because the well, blank will win the division. Chargers. Okay, they're going to get it all together. They won 10 games last year. Mm-hmm. They did go to the postseason, and they had the Jags, who are like the young up-and-coming team, mm-hmm. down 27-7 at halftime. Oh, yeah. And they fired their OC, Joe Lombardi. Oh, he oh. fell on the sword because they uh, had bad play call in the second half. Speaking of Joe Lombardi, he's he's on our team. Yeah. Yeah, this is Joe Lombardi, man. So It's not his fault. I mean, maybe it's his fault. I don't know with Joe Lombardi if it's his fault or not. But, yeah, but I think... Um, oh, there he is. You know, we were just saying it's always... You get a lot more comfortable week five when you've got like four games. That's good, as long as he's not comfortable in the playoffs. <laughs> well, also, it's interesting because we are... I know Sean Payne... Sean Payne's going to be calling the plays, right? Yes. Flat out. Yeah. He's not running it through Joe or anything like that. No. Because the idea is that we're going to be a run-first team now here. Yes, sir. I don't think we are. Really? Why are you? Okay, talk to me. Shut, all right, at, all right. Do you, do you mean because they're going to throw a lot of short passes, a lot of screens, a lot of... Sure, uh, of course, all that. Dinky dunk stuff. Yeah, that's that's the modern NFL. Virtual handoffs, that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, but, tough to make a mistake on them. Yeah, because that's what everybody's doing. That's what the defense is giving you. You know? And you have to be able to make plays after you get the ball in your hand on a short pass. Okay, well, <laughs> I will agree with you on that, too. That, to me, is kind of weird little sticky territory. I get it. It's, it's, um, it's not a running play. It is a passing play. 
but it has almost the, the virtual security of a handoff because it's so simple and, and so Are you calling that not a pass? No, I'm not. I know what you're saying, and I'm agreeing right. with but you. But no, but every team does this. Every passing team does this. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Buffalo Bills, the Tom Brady's, wherever he is. Like I wish there was Aaron Rodgers. I wish they do that. I wish there was another phrase for it then. Because when you say, well, you know, they're going to throw much more than they're going to run, and it's like, well, what kind of risk plays? What kind of chances? What kind of style? Or is everybody literally the same in the NFL? you take what the defense is giving you. So you're not like, I'm going to take a shot if the defense is not letting you do that. Or if you're not getting a feeling that this shot down the middle of the field is going to be open, then you're not doing it just to force it necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, You're trying to give, you're trying to take what the defense is giving you. And a lot of times they're just giving you the underneath stuff. And the underneath stuff will open up the double moves in the second half. And then you can take some shots. But you have to, and also as as a former receiver, you know, in college I caught a lot of passes and I always really loved to get my hands on a ball in the first couple plays on a short pass a little hitch a little slant a little something it 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 gets me warmed up I I get hit I feel good about that the quarterback gets dialed in and then the the secondary starts sucking up on those on those uh short passes and then you can go over the top yeah this is why I think Russell Wilson is going to be pretty good this year I do I think he's going to have less to think about I think Sean Payton is going to dial up an offense that makes a lot more sense I think a lot of teams, Nate, in the NFL have some certain success moving the ball between the 20s. And then it gets, you know, then you get into the gold zone, as uh, Nathaniel Hackett would say, because <laughs> he's super cringy. Uh, and then you get to, like, can you finish and can you not turn the ball over? Yeah. And that's what drives me nuts about special teams, is that, you know, just simply get the ball the vast majority of the time and try to let the offense do their thing. And you see special teams mistakes, I mean, all the time. All the time. And that drives you crazy. It kind of does because just give your, you know, all all this money that's about to trot on the field, your $40 million quarterback and your $17 million a year left tackle and your $15 million a year right tackle and your, you know, $15 million a year wide receiver. I mean, why does the money they're being paid matter so much to you? Because it's the value of what's coming out that's on not, the field. That's not correct. Well, that's how I see it. I, I had an epiphany the other day about why quarterbacks get paid so much money. Can you hang on to that thought? I can. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about Russ, too. Okay. So we'll get into Russ and quarterbacks and your epiphany. Yeah. Was it a dream? No. Was it an awesome dream? It was. This is the drive on the fan. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's the drive. Keeps things, you know, focused. It's good to know. You know, with the music here, I love it. It's a fired up Friday. If you can't get fired up for today, what is wrong with you? So everything, if you've got any music suggestions, Nate, uh, Nate Jackson, the DJ, if you got something you want KJ to spin out there, KJ, if if you're feeling something, all it has to be is fired up. I'm here. I'm here. What was the epiphany you had about quarterbacks? All right. You know how I, you know how I say they're overpaid, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I have been saying that. Okay. Because I don't think there's, you know, one player who should make a quarter of the f- 
freaking Richest guy right now is Joey Burrow. Yeah, exactly. Joe, right. Joe Burrow just cashed it in, man. What, what's his guarantee? 215? Something like that? 219. 219's his guarantee? What's the what's the whole deal? 245, something like that? 295. 275. 275, 219 guarantee. God bless America. It's a lot of money. Okay. Oh, ain't no doubt about that. It's not relatively accurate for what all the players do on a team. Okay? It's not. Okay. But what it is. Are you sure? Yes. But what it is relatively accurate for, and I realized this listening to uh, Russell talk about, you know, and uh, we got to tune out the noise and. You can't tune out the noise as a quarterback. The entire machine and apparatus uses your image and likeness to sell this whole this whole shebang. Mm-hmm. That's why you make $50 million, because your face is everywhere. You have to do all the interviews. You're the fall guy. You're the merch guy. You're the guy who talks. You are the guy who it all, narrative-wise, rolls through. They're making all this money because of your face. No doubt about your it. Your jawline. <clears throat> Your photo shoots, your interviews, mm-hmm. it's all on you, man. It's a very trite way to explain the game of football, but it's a lot easier to sell than a 53-man ensemble cast. Okay, so there's more to it than it's just what you It's about the doing. marketing mm-hmm. of the sport, not about what happens on the field. Now, do you need a good quarterback to be a good team? Yes, you do. Does an awesome quarterback make you potentially awesome? Yeah, and probably relatively more so than an awesome kicker would, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. However... That relative distance or difference from fifty million dollars to um, one point eight for a running back—that's that disparity is too large, and it's a product of the marketing. Like Tom Brady played till he was forty-five. Do you know how much money they're able to squeeze out of that dude? His image and likeness—that's why they make so much money because the marketing arm runs through them. There's a reason why the sport is so popular. You have to have stars. Yeah. If I'm going to go see Mission Impossible, do I want to see Tom Cruise or Tim Cruise? Or do you want to see, like, 15 dudes who are all, like, working together? You could see The Expendables 4. I think that's what that whole thing is based upon. And that movie sucked. I'm sure it does. So one through three. Hey, yo, I I almost killed you. You almost killed me. Hey, you're welcome. Who's got some... uh." (laughs) Like, somebody's going to go see that. A lot of people are going to go see that. Right. Okay, that's so, what I, that, that's, but that's, that goes under the category. Uh, why do you think they're b- life isn't off? fair? No, I, I, it's fine. I'm not, you know, boo hooing. But what I'm saying is, like, that's why I think they make so much more money now. I mean, why do they? Why do they create rules to protect them? Why these rules are created to to let these stars play as long as they possibly can to squeeze every drop out of that rock? Do you want to go see Bruce Springsteen or Bob Springsteen? <laughs> Do you want to see Earth, Wind, and Fire? Probably neither. But do you want to see Earth, Wind, and Fire? Earth, Wind, and I'm Flame. I'm from California. I'm not a. I'm not a boss guy. Do you want to go see Bob Marley or Ben Marley? <laughs> I mean, Bob's got some really musical kids. That's true, Ziggy, uh, amongst others, and uh, yeah. you know, so there's uh, there's plenty to choose from. Damien. Uh, okay, everything is relative value. Right. You know, so no, but like when I hear you talk about the relative value of players on a football team, I wholeheartedly disagree with the way you value that. And I think that your your idea about you know swinging big for a quarterback and tr- and doing everything you possibly can to get this one guy, the the risk of destabilizing your entire team and organization by doing that is actually greater than the risk of not going after that guy and actually in t- instead building up the team around it and waiting for the right quarterback to I come wish in. I wish you could be right on that. And if you were, and I think the <laughs> team would. that emboldens it the most right now is the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, if you just want to follow more or less what they've done, taking Jalen Hurts in the second round, and he's just a good quarterback, period. But, you know, you obviously saved to a cer- certain degree some money. But at the end of the day, you had to pay him too. 
I mean, at the end of the day, these guys' relative value compared to each other is such. You're kind of screwed if you're a team because you can only have that guy on a bargain basement contract for a pretty short period of time, basically three years. And, 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 that, and, and the Eagles could suck now because of that. They, they definitely could. And the Niners are in a really uh, interesting window because of Brock Purdy. And you Very wonder how many other coaches are going to try that model. The trouble is it's not sustainable to go the cheap route over and over and over to to jettison like running backs. And this is what happens to running backs. Once they achieve a certain level of financial value, teams just say, we'll start again. It's not a big deal. See you later, alligator. And very few teams are willing to sink that kind of money into running backs, whereas every team is at least willing to sink that money into the quarterback. Right. But, like, for example, we just paid Russell a lot of money. We did, but it's looking like more of a bargain now if it can work out. Why? Because it's five million dollars cheaper when the when the salary cap goes up by twenty five million a year. Who cares about that? They shouldn't assign him to that at the time. They should have let him play out last year. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, 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 they would have been happy to give him a fifty five. It would have been year, pretty insane to give up what they gave up for him and not be fully financially committed. Agreed. Hindsight being absurdly twenty twenty. I do agree. They should have let it play out. But then again, there would be a lot of critics saying, oh, my God, two firsts, two seconds, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, Noah Fan, a partridge in a pear tree, and what, we don't believe in this guy? You know, what are, what are we doing But here? isn't that an indication that you believe? And so it's like, yeah, we just gave up all that for you, man. We don't need to sign a new contract right now. Let's just play out this year and th- see That's how things go. That's why Russell Wilson's agent gets the yeah, gold star amongst does. gold stars. He does. He, he, he held their feet to the fire. He did. He forced George Payne and said, Uncle! He, f- he forced an artificial midnight deadline that we know because the Broncos released a video about, phew, got that done. You know, yeah. hey, great news. Yeah. I mean, we didn't know about that deadline, but the Broncos certainly did. And that was the first big decision of the Walton Penner group. Now, did they have all the information and know what they were doing? No, they were on the job for like two weeks. I mean, they were really trusting the people that are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to make those decisions. So, listen, what is you twist their arms like, oh, is he worth it? George Payton and this new guy, Nathaniel Hack, and everybody's excited, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, nah, it's Russell Wilson, and yeah. gave up all this stuff for him, and it's like, okay, fine, cool, let's go. You know, so I don't blame the Walter Penner group, but there were a couple people out there, you're one of them, um, I think my guy Mike Evans was another one, that were cautious about, hey, let's be careful here. We don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. We can wait. And, yeah, they should have waited. And had they waited, what would have been happening now? I don't know. Well, what do you think? What this would have been his last year on the contract? Well, well right he now, would right? have say he played out last year. Would you have been eager to give him a new contract at the end of last season? No, no way, right? No, you would have just so let this him... would have been coming up his last year of his, his that's previous right. deal, right? That's right, and he would have had a lot to prove. That's right, and you know Russell plays well when he's doubted. The, okay, here we go. Backs well, against the wall. Let's go. Believe it, believe it, believe it. All of that is true. Yeah. And then there would have been a lot of pressure on Russell. I mean, unbelievable amounts. There's always pressure on these guys. But you've got to make – I know what you're saying. You're talking about the value. And the running backs are in a lousy spot. And the amount they touch the ball, the amount of hits they take, the, the length of their career being shortened, I mean, it's terrible. And I think there should be rules in the new CBA just for running backs to help them out and increase their value. But, I mean, it's seven years, Nate, until the next CBA comes around. Yeah. 
So what are you going to do? With the running backs? Yeah. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing. I mean, they can have Zoom calls and talk to each other, but Jonathan Taylor, really? Well, well what do you think is going to happen? So so people talk often about the cyclical nature of football f- philosophy, you know, as far as like, uh, it used to be a run-first league, and then it turns into this pass-happy league where you're protecting the quarterbacks and, and protecting them at all costs and propping up the air game. Well, what if it cycles back around and the running back becomes the star again? Because... I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe the defense figures out these quarterbacks or the court. I don't know why it would happen because it, people are only getting more and more skilled when it comes to the passing game. But if running, if the, if the game came back around and more value was placed on just running the football in general, then running backs could maybe be valued more. Possibly, but you'd have to see running equate scoring. And the rules that are protecting quarterbacks because they're the rock stars are such that it's just way more efficient and effective to throw the ball than run the ball. So Josh Jacobs, like uh, I heard uh, the Zoakley show talking about the one guy, you know, because there's three big ones here, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby. Who don't you want to have hurt you? And as I'm listening, bring, bring, on my bike, pedaling in here today, and the guy that, that I'm the most scared of is Devontae Adams. And I think this game, the most pressure on anybody, and I think he's going to come through, is Patrick Sertan because he got his lunch eaten by Devontae Adams and Josh McDaniels in the last matchup between the Raiders and the Broncos. I'm more afraid of Devontae Adams than any. Josh Jacobs? I don't care about Run for 124 yards. Who cares? Unless you unless that equates into scoring. Well, it's been equating to winning with the, with the Raiders. Well, it sure has, by low amounts. Like the last year's game. Oh, okay. Still wins, wins, isn't it? I get it. 22-16. You're I mean, saying this offense is going to score more points for the Broncos now. I think so, yeah. So uh, if you want to run for 124 yards... I mean, yeah, if you run for 124 yards and have four touchdowns, um, yeah, that's a problem. Like if Josh Jacobs is breaking off like a 28-yard touchdown run and a 35-yard touchdown run and a 50-yard touchdown run, that's part of his 124 yards, dude, that's a problem. But if he's just gaining 3.4 per and the ball's just slowly moving between the 30s or something, I'll give him 124 yards. I mean, who really cares? What you can't have happen is an overtime 35-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams sitting in the end zone by himself. Mm. Those are the moments that literally cost you games. And that's what we're facing. So Sertan versus Adams, Russell Wilson. Man, can you feel it? This is The Drive here on The Fan. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's The Drive. Wow. There we go. Is this Nickelback? Five Finger. Five Finger Death Punch. Okay. You know, yeah. you know Nick, Nickelback is uh, K1 Williams' favorite band? Is that right? Yeah. How, how do you know that? He's the Nickelback for the Broncos. Holy cow, really? Oh, my Lord. I just, Come on, I just stepped Really? Right, I just stepped right into that one. Okay. Receivers get confused when he steps in front of them, and he's like, "Never made it as a wise man." It's that's that's how he talks during the games. Does he go over the sideline and look at a photograph? <laughs> look at this photograph. That's what he's saying. Bassie's going to be listening to in prior to this game just to get pumped up, man. Dan Arlovsky defending Russ. I, I'd say that I don't think there's a player in the NFL that people want to fail more than Russell Wilson right now. <laughs> whoa, 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 what? Wait, wait, what was that? 
What, wait, wait, huh? I'd say this. I don't think there's a player in the NFL that people want to fail more than Russell Wilson right now. I, I think it's an easy, I just feel it's an easy target for everyone to take shots at. He yeah. absolutely, that's Sean Payton's charge. Is to- well, I got to think about that one for a second. I can think of someone else. Who? Deshaun Watson. Okay. Uh, that makes a lot more sense to me. Aaron Rodgers, probably. Uh, that makes more sense to me. Um, why, why exactly would people be rooting for Russell Wilson to fail? There's a lot of people who want him to fail. Why? Well, Seattle Seahawks fans would probably love to watch him fail. They that's they didn't get their pound of flesh last year. No, they need more. Another pound. Yeah, I, I I disagree with Orlowski there, man. Some people like to watch people fail. Okay, but he's saying he's the number one guy. You just brought up two dudes yeah. that you know to me are way um, more unlikable than Russell Wilson. Yeah. And if people were looking for Russ to fail, wouldn't have that already have happened? And wouldn't that have been last year? Why would you? Wait, hold on. We're not into the. Wouldn't it be more interesting to see Russ bounce back? Like people are feeling like, hey man, like let's see something good for him. I think there's probably some carryover sort of emotions about the way he asked to leave Seattle. That he wanted out. That he wanted some perfect situation. You know, Russell hasn't spoken a lot about this, so a lot of it is hearsay and people being like. Here's what we heard about Russell. Here's what we read in this story. Here we would talk to this person. And so a lot of it is <clears throat> cobbled together about how you feel Russell thinks about it or what his motivations are. But then he came out here and the red carpet was rolled out. And a lot of the stuff last year in advance of the season was, you know, hard for people to stomach. All right. Again, that to me feels like a story from last year more than this year. But let me let me listen to the rest of what Orlowski says. Get him to be somebody that he hasn't been, both on and off the field. Absolutely, because the on-the-field stuff Sean Payton thinks he can fix. Get the ball out of your hands. Your, your play style's got to be changed a little bit. But off the field, because I kind of contrasted like this. Whatever we want to phrase it as, dorky, nerdy. Kirk Cousins comes off as a very similar personality, mm-hmm. like buttoned up. But he's beloved by his teammates. He leans into it a little bit on the airplane. The uh, that's assuming that Russell is not beloved by his teammates. I think that's just patently false. I think his teammates love him. Love him? Yeah, I do. What makes you think that? Just the way I've seen them interacting at him from across the fawning, locker room. Fawningly. <laughs> no, just what they've said and how. Well, they have their quarterbacks back, and they believe in him. I think, listen, I see so many similarities with Tebow and Russell Wilson in terms of the relationship of he and his teammates. And while you may question whether or not this guy can get it done, to think that, you know, this guy is disliked or... And, and both had a hard time, I think, directly connecting, but they both had the respect of their teammates, in my opinion. Now, you want a guy like Jake Plummer, he's kind of like the teammate superstar. Like, everybody loves him. He relates to everybody. Like, what bad things could you possibly say about a guy like Jake Plummer? It'd be like zero, correct? Yeah. I get it. Russ ain't like that because Jake's, you know, one of the guys. Jake can chew tobacco with you, have a beer with you, curse with you, hang out with you, you know, and, and probably go to church with you and your family if need be. You know, I think Jake could probably do it all. And I think Russ is a little bit more isolated. But I don't think his teammates dislike him. Well, I think that, the, the, no, I, I agree. I don't think they dislike him. I think he is an anomaly, though. He is separate in a way. Um, he's not going to be the one who goes to, you know, hangs, comes to your house or invites you over or, or has a beer with you or, you know, has the conversations with you about the little stuff or shoots the shoots the breeze is about, Kirk, does Kirk about Cousins, your date last night and how, why it went wrong. Is and, Kirk Cousins going to do that? I don't know. 
I've never, I don't know. But I think that he is sort of an enigma, Russell is. Mm. Okay. And when you have an enigma in the locker room, like here's an example, and I'm not comparing Russell with Jerry Rice, but when Jerry Rice was a, was on the team for you know those three months or whatever it was here, it was interesting having him in the locker room. Was Jerry mm. one of the guys? No, he wasn't. It was Jerry Rice, and he was 41 or 42 was, or whatever it was. That was wild. You know what I mean? But we all respect, like we're all in sort of in awe of him. Um, and so he wasn't one of the guys. It wasn't like we got to know Jerry. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this: in his last year here, Peyton Manning. You look around. First of all, he was hurt, so you know he wasn't with the team all the time. A lot of the guys he was palling around with were were gone, and all of a sudden Peyton Manning was like, it seemed like he got much older way quicker in terms of like you know who he's really hanging around with. Yeah, I mean that happens too. All right, he's 35. More from our I think if you ask me that question about Kirk Cousins, I'd sit there and say, absolutely. Nope. I think he's kicking it with the fellas. I don't, I don't know if Russell Wilson's doing that, but that's the challenge for Sean Payton. you got to get him to be somebody he hasn't been right now, and he's dead on. Sean's got to invite them all over, you know, take their phones at the door. I don't know. Get them in the back. And Feels weird, man. Start passing something around, and then, and then they can let their hair down. You know, one of the really interesting parts of the ESPN and Seth Wickersham article, I thought, I found about Sean Payton, and I learned a lot of things about him. But, but when he watches film, he lights candles, he, sp- he uh, turns on a salt rock, he sprays a certain type of scent, he yeah. has to make sure the two candle cases are touching. There's a lot of, like, I don't know, man, little new age crystals and hippies and stuff going on with Sean Payton. And so I believe that he values that sort of, like, come together moment outside of the facility, right? And so maybe he can facilitate that with his guys. Well, let's dig into it because it's a huge rivalry weekend. I'd love to go into more detail with you about the Wickersham article about Sean Payton. Yeah. Because I think it's pretty clear what the season's all about for the Denver Broncos. Sean Payton. <laughs> and, and guess who's making it like that? His reclamation tour? Uh, Sean Payton's making it like that. You know, he's he's making it clear, so okay, but this this idea, I, I'm I'm defending Russ here, I guess a little bit, man. I I think uh, I think the hate of Russ is way overblown. Uh, who right hate now. who hates Russ? I don't know who hates him. Well, you said it's overblown. Dan, Dan, I mean, I, I'd say that I don't think there's a player in the NFL that people want to fail more than Russell Wilson right now. <laughs> I mean, what is that? But I feel like that's in certain circles. You know what I'm saying? I th- I feel like that's a national media circle of I don't even know, man. A certain type of analyst or ex-player or whatever it is. I don't think people hate Russell Wilson. We have an update about Jerry Judy's status Mm. and a very important player for the Raiders who will not play. And, yes, let's all celebrate the Chiefs being in last place. Enjoy your rings. Enjoy your podcasts. Enjoy the basement. Big story of the day is next.